With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello everybody, welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. My name is Joe Thomas, I'm the Echoes Everton FC correspondent. And alongside me, we've got regular contributor Gav Buckland. Bit of a smaller cast today, a combination of of holidays and and other commitments and and things like that. But hopefully we'll be able to, to keep you entertained. Gav, how's your week been so far? It's been, it's been all right, Joe. We are out there, been doing, been doing a few stats for, you know, the new season. Is there one stat that you can share with us right now? Or is it- I'm not that far advanced, actually. I'm just getting my exceed and all that at the moment. <laughs> at the moment. Um, but yeah, so I've been, I've just been looking at a bit of stuff for, for next year, see what you can, what we can glean. Yeah. I mean- yeah I'll have something for you next week. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine it being a particularly enjoyable task looking at XG from last season. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I know they created more chances and goals they scored, but there wasn't much going on in the opposition yeah. for most of it. Yeah, that was. I was just looking, looking at, looking at a few bits. Um, you know, not the, the team and player. I don't really look at player stats that that much. We're going to be putting a bit more emphasis on it this year because they're obviously more and more important, aren't they? Really, so I, I'll be. Be looking at looking at the XCs and all that type of stuff and carries and all the all these words that didn't exist years ago or even ten fifteen years ago. It's it's crazy how much the game's changed in terms of that type of analysis, hasn't it? It's quite interesting from kind of the perspective of dealing with Everton, just how much importance they they place on it. You know, Frank Lampard was and the team around him were very very big on the data, and it's quite intriguing when you listen to Sean Dyche for. Sean Dyche, the data is only really a, a part of the wider picture. You know, one of the words that you know we'll have press conference ahead of Fulham next Thursday, and we will get the bingo cards out again for all the you know the words that Dyche repeats that all the time. But one of them that he really does, and you kind of understand what he means, is 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 the feel what he gets from the feel. That's why he goes to games to scout players or scout opposition yeah. in in person when he can. That's why he likes to be on the training ground and involved in everything. Um, you know, it really is kind of, as I say, fascinating how he will only let him let the data take him to a certain point. And I think that you probably see him as quite old fashioned in, in that way. But I do think that for all that we do talk about data analysis and, you know, we, we know how much of an impact that's had on other sports, baseball being the obvious one, and how that's then cor- you know, correlated into football and Liverpool's success where they've been taken on that kind of, you know, the money ball and the stats, and obviously there's a, a significant place for it. And Everton's data unit has been expanding under Kevin Farwell. But it really is kind of intriguing that Deitch will only let it take him so far. Where are you on that, Gav? Like, I mean, as you're, you know, someone that's constantly looking at the Everton stats, and obviously you've been going to the game for decades and decades. Yeah. As your evolution of the, your, as the evolution of your understanding of the game has gone on, do you still... I, I, think, I, think, there's a, I think there's a place for him. Um, my, my, I'm, I'm, I'm more the, the dice sort of, you know, feeling for it. I mean, you, you can't tell what goes on players. That's kind of for a start. Um, but and it's interesting. I, I was reading an article during the during the summer about how 
how you actually scout. You know, a game, you turn up a game. And when you scout a game, it's not like watching it. You know, like we watch a game, don't we, and you report on it. When you scout a game, you tend to look 30 yards ahead of the ball. You know, like to see how, how you know, like, and lots of, you know, that's one of the things you'll scout is don't look at the ball, look at 30 yards ahead of the ball. So if you, if you, if you're looking at a forward, say, you're looking at his runs or his, you know, like pace and stuff like that. If you're looking at a defender with what positions to take up, and it, it, that that's completely what that's how you that's how you're judging a player. But we haven't got the data, so you've got two things that are completely different, aren't you? You've got event data, and you've got like sort of what's going on in the pitch that you can't yet measure. Yeah, as a scout, you think that's a really important aspect of watching a player, and you can't measure that. And, and the two things are sort of, they don't match up duty at the moment. And I suppose that's what Dice is saying, I think, isn't he? Is you've got to match them to, you know, to, you know two sets of observations and, and put them together and see what you get. And, and, and I, I, think that's, I think that's right. I don't think you can just do it just on what they call, you know, event data in the trade. There's a lot more to that. And there's a, you know, without getting really boring, it, it can, it can, it, it can, it can be like, say, Duncan Ferguson has the best headed, you know, best number of headers per game in, in the Premier League. But actually, most sense of that when you see Duncan for jumping for the ball, like they're probably not going to challenge for more interest in what happens to the ball after that. And you know, it's it's all that type of stuff that I think um, I think is is interesting. It's, it's what happens to after you've headed it. Where did you head it? Did you head it to the opponents? Did you you know? Did it, did it just go into empty space? That's what you want to know, and then I think that's the type of stuff that Dice is getting at. And it's it, but the really, really fascinating thing about it is, and I was, I was reading, I remember reading this about 10, 15 years ago. Gilles Grimondi was uh, used to play for Arsenal, I think when he won the double in 98, he, he became a coach in, in France. And he was saying like 10 years ago, he noticed how players' behavior was even changing then about you know the stats being really important to him. So he noticed that. Where players previously went into like a tackle that was 40, 60 against them, you won't go into that now. Because that's, if it's different, that's, that's it's interesting the way yeah. I remember you speaking to, to Frank Lampard before the World Cup, and um, you know, he had no he didn't go out to the World Cup, he didn't have a punditry role, he wasn't going out there for, for scouting purposes. And I think obviously part of that was due to despite the obvious need for reinforcements in January. There was also a limit to what Everton were probably in a situation where anybody who particularly impressed at the World Cup was going to be outside of their their price range. Um, but one of the comments that he, he made was kind of along the lines of you can do so much without having to, without actually going to a game. And obviously you can because there is all this stuff around players and you have where you know, companies that put together packages and analyze video analysis, stats analysis. But again, like you say there, you know, what, what none of that can tell you, what you can't tell from looking at the TV or anywhere else is, is things of like that movement that's going on off screen, what's outside yeah. of the, you know, the, the picture around what, what's happening with the ball. And that's quite interesting. Obviously, we've gone off on a, I mean, that's an interesting, that's some tangent that we've gone off to start with, start with there. But, but, but it's relevant to us though, isn't it? It's relevant to Everton yeah. and how we recruit and how maybe Thelwell's recruitment's Tactics, for a better phrase, maybe different. Kind of going to start the the meat of the podcast as well, because you know we spoke earlier on this week. A lot of the conversation was around the need for a striker. Everton had just missed out on El Al Torre. 
within an hour or two of us having you know left the, left Lovelock's coffee shop to move on with our day, we had the breaking news about Yusuf Chermiti and Everton, you know, Everton's involvement there, the bid for him. Obviously, talks are continuing as we're speaking now on on Friday morning, and but things look relatively advanced, and it looks like it's it's almost Everton's to lose as it is now. I've got no shame whatsoever in saying that's something that came absolutely out of the blue to me. You know, I, I, he wasn't a player that was on my radar in general, let alone um, in terms of might be someone that ever someone looking at. And I think in fairness to, you know, the relatively large community of, of people that, um, you, you know, like to like, like to say that they have knowledge on this. And obviously some of them do, and there's an even bigger number that don't. I think most have put their hands up and said this has come out of the blue, which is probably a good sign from Everton in terms of a, a, a business point of view in that the fact there's no one leaking, that's that's a good thing. Bad for journalists and in the nose and those in between and those who yeah. want to be either of, of, of those, but, but probably good for the club. Now, Gav, one of the things that's quite interesting, I haven't had an in-depth look at his stats or anything like that, but he seems to be of a similar profile to Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And a lot of what we've spoken about is how... Dominic Calvert-Lewin's attributes are so fundamental to the way in which Everton play and set up. When you heard about Yusuf Chimichi and started to look at him, what were your thoughts on him as a potential Everton signing and what that meant about what Kevin Farwell and you know, Sean Dyche and, and Dan Purdy and that are looking to do? Were you looking at that and thinking, this is a 19-year-old kid who's had half a season in the top flight of Portugal, scored three goals in a side that obviously... Sport and are one of the most competitive in that league, and I think the drop off is quite substantial once you get after outside the top five right. six. Were you looking at and thinking, are Everton in a situation now where they're really having to kind of scrape the bottom of the barrel because and go for players that are really at the beginning of their careers and hoping that they've got a high ceiling? Or were you actually reassured and looking, you know what? Everton have probably got a profile here. They've got that Dominic Calvert-Lewin profile. And what they're doing is they are hunting far and wide for the type of players that might be able to do that type of job. And they've come, the fact that they've come up with someone that, you know, is relatively an obscure name to most of us at the moment, does that actually kind of feel you a bit confident that there is a, there's a plan there that they're sticking to? And that's a plan that might have the most effective chance of, of, of working for Everton. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, yeah. At first, I've never heard of him, to be honest with you. Probably like a lot, a lot of people. Um... The first thought is we'll be buying another striker, hopefully, between now and the transfer window. That I don't think he he seems because of his age and his development. I think it's like nine hundred professional minutes, is it something like that? Which is a, is a really small, you know, small small career. My thought is, is that he's not DCL's replacement. He's like the replacement's replacement. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is is I think these type of signings tend to be quite low risk. If you're buying somebody that young who's got potential, even if it doesn't work at Everton, there's still going to be a market for them. I'm thinking they're like Moise Keane would be one of them. Examples where, you know, a terrible time at Everton, because of his age and his profile, as you say, and 
you know, what he'd done previously to get him bought by Evan. He's still, you know, there's still a, a big market for him and, and, and you can get a good price from it, which is what's happened. And I, and I see the same with, with this lad. And I, and I think I'm pleased that, as you say, it, it shows a little bit of imagination, you know, spreading our boundaries a bit, Joe, in terms of where, where, where we're recruiting from. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I'd like to think it's not the end of our, our forward purchasing during, during the summer. To be yeah, fair, so, I don't think, uh, it doesn't look like an, an obvious end to it. You know, we, we know that, you know, we reported yesterday that Everton are, are kind of sounding out like to Che Adams. You know, that's something that they've kind of got on their radar as, 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 as a potential. I think one of the things that I like the idea of in relation to Chimiti is, Part of this, there's this part of me, and obviously this only goes so far. That thinks it's less about the ability to a certain extent of what the player can do. If the Dominic Calvert Lewin isn't fit on the pitch and, and, and on the pitch and isn't playing, or he, you know, he needs to come off for the last half an hour. Bearing in mind how kind of restricted Everton's ways of playing are, part of it comes down to where that player is in their development is less important than what they bring to Everton's shape. If they, if they if they allow to Everton to play in that yeah. way, and it's not so much that Chimiti comes in and has to score 15 goals, but if he, through replicating something that Dominic Calvert-Lewin does, or through replicating or for allowing Everton to play the other 10 players around them to play in their strong, you know, their most effective way to get positive results, what he might do is he might bring the extra five or six goals out of Alex Awobi or Dwight McNeil or Arna Danjuma. And that also kind of is really important, bearing in mind the restrictions that Evan are working in and the sense that you don't think that Sean Dyche is going to rip everything up and all of a sudden just change everything at the last minute. So I think that's the problem that they did with Neil Mope last season. They kind of, it felt like they got to a situation where they go, we just need a striker with some sort of goal scoring pedigree somewhere. And then they got him and he didn't bring... He didn't bring yeah. anything that supported the style of which Everton were looking to play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's what we we say there is, is is the play is not important. It's the system that's important, isn't it? And and, and the play fits him at that. And 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 as fans, we can't criticise the club for buying Mope, who was not like what you would normally expect us to have playing up front, considering the players we've got. And then criticise us for buying. Buying this lads, how can you really? Because we're buying this lads to address sort of the issues that maybe should have been addressed twelve months ago, and, and yeah, so and, and I get that, and, and you can see, you, even though you might be third down the pecking order, you can see him getting quite a bit of game time next year for for a number of reasons. I mean, they're talking about. I mean, maybe we spoke about this the other week, Joe, didn't we? About the, the, the you know that the, the with five subs is a game within this. It's effectively two games now, isn't it? Football. And they're talking, you know, they're saying this week about having further extra injury time being played for stoppages and time wasting. And somebody like this, like coming off the bench after after ninety minutes, when there could be like another fifteen minutes left to play, you know, that that could be a real asset for you, couldn't it? Really. And and I think um, so I think players like this on the on who was second, third, you know, maybe third in the pecking order. In that sort of environment where you've got, I mean, we could have 110 minute games football next season. You, they, they could be getting a lot more game time than what you think. As you could be coming on as a sub in the 90th minute, and still we have 15 minutes left to play. Well, that's um, it. And it's also, if you want to kind of say Dominic Carvel in his hand about, obviously, we, you also want to protect him 
And yeah, yeah, that means taking him off after 65, 70 minutes. Say, for instance, against Arsenal, Sean Dyche's first game, Dominic Calvert-Lewin was absolutely superb. And although we didn't get on the score sheet, he was instrumental yeah. in Everton getting into a situation where they could go on to win that match. But what it kind of felt like, obviously with Dominic Calvert-Lewin a lot of time last season, was he was either on the pitch for the whole game or he wasn't on it. But there's that danger. as they're trying to kind of work around his body and, and, and make the most of him. There's that danger that with Everton's squad as it currently is, what happens is after 65, 70 minutes, if they have to bring Dominic Calvert-Lewin off, then all of a sudden they're effectively sacrificing the last 20 minutes. So that becomes 30 yeah. because of additional extra time. Because they, because they can't carry on playing in that same style and they don't have an effective plan B, you effectively have to do everything that you... You, you have to do a huge amount of the work if you want to get a win in that first 70 minutes as opposed to the last 20, 25. And if you've got somebody that obviously won't be as good as Dominic Calvert-Lewin or as experienced as Dominic Calvert-Lewin at this stage in their career, but if you've got someone that continues to allow the players like Dan Jume and that around him to to play right. in a way that suits their strengths, then that is a, it's an easier transition that gives Everton a better chance of being competitive for longer within games. Yeah, I, well, yeah, absolutely. And you know, might might have another cycle gives us that option. I mean, like, it all falls down to our regular discussion about DCL's fitness. This still doesn't it really? Because all of these conversations about who we're going to buy and you know, you know, their their profile, as it were, is you know the, the key to this is DCL, isn't it really? Um, because because I know he got some game time this week. Um, it's it's looking. You would think, I mean, we'll go to talk about sport in Lisbon. His sort of trajectory, fitness-wise, doesn't seem to indicate to me that he's going to be there on the opening day, perhaps. That would be rabbit out of the hat with DCL before, of course. And so it's it's like, do we need another striker between... What's his name? Is it Chitty? What's his name? Chitty, is it? What's his, this last uh, name? Chimiti is how I'm saying it. That's yeah, the phonetics yeah, as I'm looking at it, but it might be, might be said differently. Yeah, yeah. and DCL, you know, somebody between them is probably, mm. you know, a priority. And, you know, if you get somebody in before the Fulham game, that they might have an opportunity of playing, to be honest with you, if they're fifth. Um, I just don't, I don't, what I've heard about Dan Jim, I've not seen so much of pre- that much of pre-season. I don't think Dan Zuma strikes me as somebody who's going to play down the middle. Um, and you've got no pay. I mean, I've got a few options. So Yeah, Dan Zuma played down as, as the one in the 4-5-1 uh, yeah. that spoke the other day. And it was, it was patently obvious that that is in his position. And in fairness, Sean Dyche was very, was pretty clear about that after the game in terms of saying I wasn't necessarily, he wasn't necessarily putting him in that position because that's where he wants to play him. It's simply a case of he was all, he was still selecting a lineup with fitness in mind, and he wanted you know, that was the place to get Dan Juma onto the pitch to try and give him you know, forty five plus minutes. So yeah, so I thought I thought we have got options up front, but they're not ideal. And this sort of points to like uh, you know that we will. I think from the pitch this week that we'll, well, hopefully, so be made if it happens. Then there'll be, there'll be another striker income, and what that means for Mopai and possibly Gray is a is a 
It's a different story, isn't it, really? You know, yeah, you well, we're talking a lot about Fulham, and obviously that's where Gray's heavily linked to. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, Gray's been away on international duty with Jamaica, which is why he hasn't been around the, the squad for much, much of pre-season. But it is also notable that he wasn't involved um, in the behind doors, behind closed doors game against Monza, which you'd think would be the obvious time to bring bring him in. Obviously, Garner and Brantwaite similarly had extensive international campaigns that went into their season, and they both featured at Stoke and then in the well, um, Brantwaite featured against against Monza. Damari Gray didn't. Obviously, there's speculation about whether he, he is training or not training. He is with the group of players, but I think it's. I think it's clear, and I think we probably knew this at the end of last season, that Everton are probably willing to listen to offers if they come in. I think it's probably a case of where does he go to now rather than does he go anywhere? Because I'm not sure that he is in Sean Dyche's plans or that he really was at the back end of last season beyond having to use him when he needed to due to injuries and things like that. So it's, it's, it's quite an interesting one, isn't it? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I, I said that the last time we spoke about this, I said about Gray is like that I'd, I'd probably accept a fee far lower than perhaps what's being quoted for the simple reason that, I mean, we're, we're talking about forward additions now, aren't we? His, 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 that Dice doesn't fancy him. His options are going to be limited, especially with Dan Gima coming in, and therefore he's going to be a bench warmer next year who's out of contact. So... In, in, what you don't want is us to turn down, say, something like seven or eight million pounds because you think it's too low, and then see that see him leave on a day next this time next year, having not hardly played. Yeah, well, Besiktas were, were in last weekend in around the six million pound mark. I think. I think the one thing that I think, I, whilst I agree with what you're saying, I think. Dwight, I think um, Demar Gray is also one of the players they've got who they can kind of, because he has a track record of doing, at the very least, moments of magic within the Premier yeah. League. He's probably one of the few players. There are probably a handful of players in that squad where they would bite their hand off for anybody to take them for a fee. With Damari Gray, he's probably one of the few that they can come in and think, well, maybe we could push this a little bit because there is a little bit more to sell. Yeah, so, And I think that my understanding of Everton's transfer approach this summer is, is they essentially want to end up even, you know, so what they spend, they get back. That's, that's what they want to try and get to a point of. And obviously they've, yeah. they've got money in for East Samuel Smith. They got money in for, um, for Ellis Sims. They're going to get money in for Damari Gray. Um, they'll get money in. For, yeah, they've got a little bit of money in for things like Stan Mills going out on loan to Oxford. There was, there was a fee there. Um, and they're probably, yeah, we, we spoke a lot about them in the past, but as as they increase their forward options, so too does the likelihood of Tom Cannon going out on loan increase. And they will, if that happens, yeah. they will get a, a loan fee there. It's all about trying to stack up these fees to carry it because they haven't, you know, they paid a loan fee for Dan Dreamer of, of three or four million pounds. And then after or three or four million euros, I think, sorry. 
Um, and obviously Ashley Young was was a free, so they you know, they haven't spent money properly yet. There probably is a little bit left from the stuff that they've got in so far, but I think Damari Gray will be the the transfer that tries to take them almost to maybe, you know, a Chimiti and a half, you know, take some whatever their yeah, down right. payment is on Chimiti and, and then hopefully kind of does a little bit of legwork with helping to fund another signing. And obviously, you know, if they could find a way to get some money for, for Andre Gomez or, or Mason Holgate, I think they would, but they may well be that they end up on loan. Yeah, on, on that basis then, there's another uh, Iwobi-sized elephant in the room, isn't it, over, over contracts and transfers, mm-hmm. isn't it? Because I think his, his contract's up next, next summer. Isn't it? Yeah. So therefore, we're in a... Having, haven't seen... You know, we've mentioned a couple of players like Gomez there, haven't you? Haven't seen him for the last four or five years, players that we spent big money for us leaving when their contracts ended for nothing. Mm. What what's the current feelings you think about Awobi in terms of his short term future with us and leaving or staying or I think most what, if not I think most if not everyone in the Everton squad has a has a price. Um but obviously yeah, far some are far more important than others. Um, and I think Iwobi, what Awobi does is he his versatility fills in a lot of gaps for Everton at the moment. And you know, we've spoken about the loss of Tom Davis now. Obviously, Tom Davis was a bit part player at best. He was a fringe player. Had, he was unfortunate. There were times when he appeared to be on the cusp of breaking into the side or having a great involvement, and then he got injured. He was, and he was unfortunate in that case. But yeah. it, was, it was clear that he was nothing... No more important to Deitch than coming on last 10 minutes. One of the rare changes that he might make for a fresh pair of legs. But the fact that they offered him a new contract, despite the lack of involvement that he had, suggested that they felt there was a need for another central midfielder in that squad. What Awobi does is, in a way that Damari Gray doesn't, Alex Awobi kind of offers that that option. You know, he played left to centre midfield in, in the free and the Lampard and, and was one of the one of the few players that came out, I think, with genuine credit from that Frank Lampard first half of the season. You know, he, he was a creative machine, essentially. You know, he, yeah. in the World Cup, he was rivaling the likes of De Bruyne and that for assists, despite the fact that more often than not, he didn't have a striker to even be supplying them for. I like Iwobi in that role. I, I'd probably start him there in my first choice Everton lineup, but I think Deitch probably sees him on the right of midfield as... I, I imagine that the way that Deitch is going, I kind of a, maybe you know four five one or a four four one one, ideally with with you know, Dan Juma playing off Calvert Lewin through the middle and McNeil and and and, and Awobi almost as kind of you know, wide midfielders rather than wingers, so they can do a little bit of the defensive work as well. Um, so I think Awobi holds. I think Awobi is more important to Deitch than. Damari Gray is. Um, I think if somebody was to come in and offer serious money for him or, or a fee that would tempt them and then they have to have a conversation. But I do think the striker is the most obvious position where they need to reinforce. And then there are a couple of other areas, like secondary areas that probably would get strengthened in a window where they had better circumstances at, at, at play. I think one of those is, a, I think they really do need a right winger or a right midfielder, a right winger. Um, yeah. And if, bearing in mind they're already, which is why they're looking at you know, Kamalin Salamana from from Southampton, someone that they were they were in for in in, in January because he might address that need. But obviously, if they can't solve that, then 
you know, Iwobi is pretty much their only option there anyway. So he kind of has that dual responsibility. If he can, yeah, if you want to play with a right winger, he probably plays on the right wing. If you want to play with a right midfielder who, and you want his work rate to be, you know, key, like Dwight McNeil on the left, then he does that role. And if you need someone to, if there's a bit of a crisis in the centre midfield with injuries, bearing in mind that Deitch likes to play three of them, um, then he can also fill in. And that, as we saw him do against Wigan, where he did start left centre midfield. So maybe that was an attempt to just have a look at him in that role. Yeah, it's, I think I, I, I get the Obi thing. I think the concern for me is is he plays this season and then goes. Mm. You know, I mean, I mean, he's on big money. Obi it's supported, and and obviously for him to maintain that level of income. Yeah, well, he's not on as big of money as as some of the bigger contracts have, and obviously that's yeah. why you know, there was attempts to time. You know, I think that was one of the things about been in contract negotiations effectively since last September and obviously nothing's come of it so there's clearly stuff going on behind the scenes there anyway in terms of yeah you know, long term future and yeah he might just want to if you might not want you know he's in a good position now you know if he stays at Everton and you know I mentioned this before on the pod that he's actually in quite a strong position negotiation wise will be that just briefly is that if he stays well He's got the fact that he can go for the free next year. And if we, if he went, he'd have to spend cash on the replacement, wouldn't he? And the last yeah. thing we've got is cash. He'd mm. rather possibly pay Wolby on the tip wage-wise over four or five years than let him go for nothing next year and then have to pay cash for the, for another player. So that sentence is negotiation for me. And then I can I can see I can possibly you would possibly see that he, he might stay. If you're offering the right deal of Obi, which I know there's people, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't mind it. That could be a decentish where we stand at the moment. That could be a decentish result for us because it will stop if we don't get a, 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 you know, a really, you know, good offer for him. That's probably our best option. Mm. To be fair, I'm probably I, the like best option I think he's, you know, I think he's one of the best players, Evans' best players of last season. Like I, 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 I rate him, I do, but rate him so long as he's putting aside where he has the opportunity to kind of make the most use of his attributes. And th- that might not be in a Sean Dyche side if he wants to play him as, as a right midfielder. So, um, you know, that, that kind of obviously then opens up the potential for departure. I mean, the, the midfield is worth looking at from a kind of longer term perspective, because obviously next summer you also have, you know, Abdullah Decore and Idrissa Gay who, who will be out of contract yeah. as well. So that's, Kind of, I mean, the other interesting thing, which you know, is kind of on the horizon a little bit as well, is the Africa Cup of Nations in in in, in January, February, where you know Abdoulaye Dakori, Drissa Gay, and um, Alex Awobi all play for nations that have qualified and therefore could end up going you know in, in, into those squads and ever potentially lose out on them for a couple of games, which would be another interesting development. Yeah. Let's just get to January. Yeah, let's get to the first game of the season. Yeah, yeah. in September. So, so, yeah, I mean, one one player that um, obviously we referenced a little bit the behind closed doors game against Monza, 0-0 at half-time it was. Um, Neil Mopé came on, had a good game, scored, scored a, the goal at Everton 2-1. Uh, but Lewis Dobbin got the first and then set up Neil Mopé's goal. He's, he's yeah. having a good pre-season, Lewis Dobbin. Gav, I'm not sure if you've 
had much of an opportunity to see him. But did you see the goal he scored against Montenegro? Yeah, I mean, if you're not, not, if you set aside the fact that friendlies and behind closed doors friendlies, it's different, aren't they, to, to, to first team games. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, that there might be somebody in pre season who might just come out of left field a little bit that you weren't expecting and, and do something that you, you weren't expecting them to do, you know, to do. And perhaps maybe Dobbin is, is, is heading in that direction. Um, it'll be interesting to see the selection for the, the Lisbon game and I mean, he was at Derby I mean, he didn't score a lot of goals did he at Derby or four and four or five and forty which isn't and when you as I say before when, when you're that age and you're not knocking on the door of the Premier League uh, it, then you, you only struggle I think to become a you know it might be near impossible for you to be a Premier League regular and um, he's sort of in that sort of grey area isn't he and you don't know do you you, you don't know it. there may be a short term opportunity for and while, while our recruitment is in the state of flux as I say up front and we've got a few injuries there might just be an opportunity there for him and you, you just don't know do you even if he comes in as a, as a couple of good games it'll be, be a help um, so yeah he's I remember he come on. He was quite feisty the time I saw him. As he come on at Chelsea the 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 um, the season before last, I think when we drew one all, and I think he might have got himself booked. I think. Um, yeah, and he looked quite. He, he, he looked. Um, yeah, I say he looked a bit feisty and a, a little bit about him. So, yeah, he, well, he's not done himself any harm, has he? Either way, and uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens with with Dublin over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, if you if I had to put money on who was going to emerge as the most positive of the young players from this. I probably wouldn't have put it on Dobbin. Obviously, we, you know, I would have started with Tom Cannon. Um, he yeah, yeah. Injured. He's been injured. Um, and I probably would have looked at Mills and, and Warrington, who have both already you know, been allowed to depart on loan. So, you know, it's it's been fascinating to watch him. And, you know, he has given a good account of himself and Dyche has spoken positively. One thing I've liked is just how direct he is. At, you know, Everton haven't had didn't have many players last season certainly that kind of they got hold of the ball they'd run at players and they you know, they go for the byline or they go for cut inside and try and get into the box that's something that Dobbin seems really keen to do which is quite refreshing to see I think from you know from somebody that's 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 in royal blue one more pre-season friendly to go or certainly one in front of public and that's that's sport in Lisbon tomorrow Gav what is there anything that you haven't seen? There's, I mean, there's one very obvious one. Is there anything that you haven't seen yet that you would like to see in that game? You know, what what do you think? What the, what the, what what do you think we still need to learn about this side before we go into Fulham? Um, uh, what is the side? Yeah, <laughs> I think that is. I mean, there's. The, I think that I've been interested to see what the centre halves are. Yeah, you know, I think, I think that that'll be something to look at. My experience, most managers will build their their, their final friendly or thereabouts will always sign get their best team, what they think starting the game, the first game of the season on the pitch, and so I think we can. What I want to learn tomorrow is the team because I suspect that won't be a hundred million miles away from. You know what we have against Fulham. I think, I think the centre halves, 
will be will be uh, will be interesting. Possibly Saker, uh, who plays up front, and uh, and then take it take it from there. And um, you know, and because it's only what's only seven days then, isn't it? I think, so we haven't got a game after this. Is our last game? Is it, Joe? We haven't got anything. It's the last game that I'm aware of. The, yeah, there's a, it's, a, it's a certainly the last public game. They might they might end up with um, another behind closed doors friendly next week. Um, yeah. Managers don't tend to like to do that so close to the season. Yeah. Um, speaking to Alex Neal at Stoke at the, at the weekend, and obviously Everton was his last game before his Stoke side play Rotherham in the Championship kickoff this weekend. And yeah, he was saying that you know, had nothing behind closed doors arranged because it's just a little bit too, too much in that last week of the season when you're trying to, uh, pre-season, when you're trying to finesse everything, it's it's not ideal to the preparation. So, um, yeah. so it'll be interesting to see whether or not Dice goes down that route. But yeah, there, there are a couple of things. I think we'll learn a lot about the centre-back partnership and I still think that Keane and, and, and Tarkovsky feels like the most obvious one to, to start with, bearing in mind, well, they started every public pre-season game so far, albeit that Bramfweet's been been um, away for, for some of them. You'd think it's probably going to be Young and Patterson at fullback. Mikolenko played 45 minutes against um, Monza. I mean, that's a, another narrative, isn't it? Who's, who's going to be the first choice left back? Um, but it may well be that it's a while, but we, it's a, it's a while until Mikolenko's got up to full fitness so we can really learn, learn what the answer to that question is. Obviously, there's a chance that James Garner might end up being at right back, but I think he's you know, Dice just moved Gar played Garner in the middle when he has played him so far this this summer. He's played Pats on the right back every time. But yeah, I think it'll be good to see the, the best thing to see. The obvious thing to to, to say is, is Dominic Calvert Lewin, isn't it? It'd be nice to see him in the match day squad and have some sort of involvement that would maybe give you a bit of hope that he might be available for Fulham. But I think that Dominic Calvert Lewin's well, I'm not saying that he, he you know he may well be be able to be involved in Fulham. I think his his timeline is possibly running at a slightly different rate to, to what preseason and the football calendar is. I think so. You know, I don't think they're going to rush him back for the first game if or take any chances to get him back on the pitch, will they? So, one of the things I'm quite interested in is, is Victor Gokeras. I mean, we've been over this time and time again, but someone who was certainly linked with Everton for so long. You know, that's uh, that'd be that that'd be an interesting one. Obviously, it's, it's also Yusef, Yusef Chermiti's side, isn't it? It's sporting. So he was coming yeah. to this week, whatever, whether it be for to play for either side or a medical or, or whatever. It's quite interesting when you look at it because Everton have quite strong links with sporting. Obviously, they've got this friendly here. They've gone in for this deal with Chermiti. You look at Ruben Vinagre came on loan from sporting yeah. last season and the year before, Jao Virginia went the other way. So there is a there is a bit of a relationship there. I'm not quite sure where it started from. Don't ask, does, is Nuno Valencia still doing a bit of work for us? I know he was he doing is. a bit of work yeah, in, 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 in the club put some quotes out from Nuno Valencia in relation yeah. to the weekend's game, didn't they? So that's, yeah, that, that's the obvious one, isn't it? I've, I've missed that. Good spot, Gav. Yeah, yeah. I, I've not forgiven him for he knocked us out of Europe in 2010. Sporting Lisbon in the, in the, in the, in the Europa League, or might have been called the UEFA Cup still. I've not, not forgiven him since, since that. Since that, uh, no, but they, they're, they're like the cooler team, aren't they? In, in Lisbon, are they sporting Lisbon? That's where uh, Ronaldo started, didn't he? Um, yeah, yeah, great kiss as well. Great, yeah. great kiss, isn't it? Right, yeah. Well, 
Well, well, we're going to wrap it up there. Obviously, it's just the two of us, and I'm sure that you're starting to find us a little bit tedious at, at this <laughs> point. So, <laughs> no, no, I did want to say something actually. I you mentioned before we start about the commercial update. Oh, yes, of course. During the week, which I thought that was quite interesting. Bear in mind that you know we get criticised, having mm. criticised for not communicating and stuff. I, I thought it was a, a, you know, it was good positive communication. Yeah, I, I, I thought so. I thought I have mixed feelings in the sense that, and you know, for those who have read my, it'd be interesting what people think if they read the commercial update and then what if they read my write up around it, where I yeah. essentially add in all the context that I think is relevant that's missing from the, the club update, is in the relegation battles of the last two years, the transfer yeah. window struggles. Um, and the the, you know, the profit and sustainability allegation, uh, and, and and a few other bits and pieces. I, from my perspective, obviously they announced the kick shirt sleeve uh, agreement earlier on in in the week. Um, you know, Everton. I I found it very important to couch Everton's claims that they're effectively getting the best deals outside commercial agreements outside the best six in their own terms because it's very difficult to ever actually get the figures for the commercial arrangements that Everton don't tell you. And that's not unique to Everton by any stretch of the imagination. No, 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 they're, they're very, very... And because the different clubs package up their figures in their accounts slightly different, it's not as simple as going and saying, well, Everton's commercial revenue was, I think, 50.3 million or something along those lines last summer. That's, you know, last accounts, let's compare that to every other. That's also not quite a straight comparison. Yeah. So it's impossible. It's, it's nigh on impossible to verify the claims. But I did think the fact that somebody was willing to, and in this case, obviously Richard uh, Kenyon, someone that was out willing to, first of all, have that communication in the first place and put those claims on record in their own name. That to me is a step forward, and I think that is something that should be recognised as, as important. Yeah, yes. I, I think I've got, yeah, I've done some. I've done like research over this over the, over. The, Several, you know, about like commercial stuff. When you see our deals now, they are reported. We do tend to be, you know, like you got you got two the big ones. You know, your kitty and your shady and stuff. We when they reported independently, we do tend to be around you know the seventh or eighth, you know, highest. And there's there's obvious reason for that is the size of the club, the fact that you know, dare I say, we have to be in Premier League regulars. So we've tested that hypothesis out for for two reasons. <laughs> You know that we are, you know, we are, we are a big club, you know. So you can, naturally, you would expect us to be there, wouldn't you? Really? I mean, it was interesting that when Kazoo sponsored both Everton and Villa, they paid Everton four million quid more than Villa, even though Everton and Villa are like similar sized clubs and stuff. And I thought that was quite quite illuminating. And uh, so I, I would, though you can know, some of these claims, like to say you. you, you what what is a you know what is a kit deal you know what's closest is that what you get paid because that could be dependent on speed position in the league whether you end up in Europe and stuff you always got to you know see that with a pinch of salt is when you do look at what people say independently and they give the list of the best kit deals and the best sponsorship deals and all that type of stuff we do tend to be around the seventh or eighth highest out you know and that, and that will change obviously with Newcastle what's going on there so That's there it. is. Yeah. You know, it does matter, doesn't it? And it'll be, a, yeah. you know, 
Everton's performance over the last few years will trickle into the next few unless they can do something about it in the coming year, this season and next, won't it? And, and that's probably the danger that, yeah, they're probably still making those deals based on where they were three years ago or even right, yeah, two months ago before they end up in the relegation battle under Frank Lampard. And I think the danger, the double danger is one Evans' recent performances and the fact that he, it's hard to see them set in the Premier League alight next season. Hopefully they get to a point where they can be a mid-table safe team, but anything more, I think, would be a huge surprise. Um, but, uh, you know, whilst that's going on, obviously Aston Villa and Newcastle are kind of on a yeah. very, they're very, very upwardly mobile at the moment. And obviously both in Europe next season. Um, and they would may well be able to kind of capitalise on that in a, in a way that, Evans struggles to compete with when they're next arranging the deals. Hopefully that's not the case, but we'll have to wait and see. No, and I, I get the comments. I think you mentioned, you know, I think the sort of what you were saying, your piece indirectly, and what other people have said is you were saying we're the best best of the people outside of Europe, you mm-hmm. know, not playing with actually that we're actually criticising ourselves by that. Obviously we're underperforming because we should be challenging for Europe and getting yeah. into Europe. But I just I just thought from a communication point and and I get you know that it can be difficult quantifying these things, but it was I thought it was a good positive piece. Yeah, there's, there's, a between, there's a big difference between people trying to brief that they're the seventh best and somebody yeah. willing to go and put that in their own words with their face and their name behind it, which is what's happened this time round. And I think that does deserve to be recognised as a step forward. Yeah, good to say. Absolutely. Right. Thanks very much for listening to us, everyone. We'll be back early next week. It may be Tuesday rather than Monday. We're just trying to work out some logistics at the minute, but it will obviously be post-sporting and hopefully post-designing of, of Yusef Chirmichi and a few other bits and pieces and developments in the transfer window so that we've got plenty of to talk about. We certainly will anyway, because with the upcoming season, just a few days away by that point. So we'll probably move on to some of our longer pods as we all discuss where we think Everton are going to go and get people to commit to some predictions, I think, as well. So and we can hold them to it over the course of the season. But thanks so much for listening to us again. It's been the Royal Blue Podcast. We really appreciate your time and your interest. So thank you very much. Have a lovely weekend. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 